welcome to the Access Church Podcast. So let's get into the Word of God today. We're going to continue our series on Kingdom Identity. Kingdom Identity. Can you bring me down just a little bit in the monitors? It's Give me a little bit of feedback and it's a little bit too loud. Um, Kingdom identity, and and, and that was mentioning last week that I truly believe that this is the most important, powerful, and prophetic sermon series I have ever, ever preached in in 30 years of of preaching. And, uh, you know, it it is just something that has really resonated uh, in me, you know, and, and is just something so empowering when you understand and recognize who you are and who God has called and created you to be, right? And, and so, you know, like we've been mentioning that the enemy always attacks your identity because he understands that your authority is tied to your identity. So he will always attack you at that point. And so, and, and I say that because it's, it's important for us to recognize who we are in Jesus Christ, that there is a confidence and, and uh, just uh, an empowering factor when we get that revelation. So we've been talking uh, over the last few weeks about how the advent of Jesus coming into this, this world was not ever to bring religion it was always about government, right? It was about government. And, and in fact, one of the, the most popular passages of scriptures that we read during the Advent season, during the Christmas season, is found in Isaiah 9, 6. And it says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. And it says that the government will rest on his shoulders. It doesn't say nothing about the church. It doesn't say anything about religion. It says that the government will rest on his shoulders, right? So we know that God's primary purpose for creating our world and creating us was never to establish a church or a religion. It was always to be an extension of the government of heaven here on the earth. In other words, you and I were designed and our world was created to live on earth like you would live in heaven right? And, and that's always been his, his purpose. In fact, when we look at Jesus' message and his preaching in Matthew chapter 4, 17, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach this message. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is near or the kingdom of God is here. And we talked about how that word repent does not mean to feel really bad about all the really bad things that you've done. It doesn't mean to feel remorseful. The word repent comes from two Greek words, which are metanoia, which means to change the way that you think, right? You've got to change the way that that you think. And and, and it's important. So when Jesus came, came to this earth, he realized that it was important if you were going to assimilate and walk within the context and the construct of his government, if you were going to walk in right standing with him, there, there had to be a, a change in mindset. There had to be a change in mentality. And, and so when he came on the scene, he began to say, repent. And he was shouting it out. He was telling them is that you can no longer think the same way. In fact, the apostle Paul in Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, right? By changing the way that you think. So the, the, the thing is that when we get saved, right, when we get saved and we have that, that, that encounter with Jesus Christ and we repent of our sins and we ask for forgiveness and we invite him and we submit to his lordship, um, our, our, our first thing that gets saved is our heart, right? But how many of you know that it takes a while for the head to follow, right? It takes a while for the head to assimilate and reconcile what God has already done in their heart. So, so it looks like this is that we feel differently, but we still think the same way. 
And, and so what Jesus is saying is that, that in order for you to have a, a true life transformation, it starts in the heart, but it has to continue to change in the way that you think. You've got you've to think like he thinks. You have, to, you have to think. Why? Because we understand that the, the scriptures say, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, right? So it, 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 we have to have a change of mindset. And I always say this, is that the heart gets saved first. The head gets saved second, and usually it's the wallet or the purse that gets saved last, right? We're not quite ready to take that step and start giving to God, right? So, so there, there's, a, there's a, a process. And a beautiful picture in Scripture is when, uh, of this process is when God pulls the Israelites out of Egypt, right? They were slaves for 400 years, for, for generations, right? For, for 10 generations, they, were, they had been slaves in Egypt. They had developed a slave mentality, right? And so now they're coming out of, out of slavery. They're coming out of Egypt. God's taking them to the promised land. But why couldn't he take them from Egypt right away into the promised land? He had to take them through a, a, a process of purification. He had to get them to start thinking a different way. Why? Because even though they came out of Egypt... Egypt was still in them. They still thought like slaves, Egyptian slaves. So if, if God would have taken them out of Egypt and put them in the promised land, they would have turned the promised land into a whole new Egypt. And how do we know this? Because at the first sign of adversity, they started to complain and say, we were better off as slaves in Egypt. Yeah. Right? So, so th this process that we call salvation, this process that, that we call walking in line with God's will and his word and his ways is, is a process. It starts in the heart, but then it has to begin to manifest in our mind. And, and Jesus understood that. That's why he said, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You've got to think differently. See, because when you, you live in a different place, but you think like, like an old you, it, it, it gets really complicated. See, some of you know our, our story that, that uh, there was a season where God pulled us out of the United States and took us to live in Mexico. And, and Pastor and Sander and I, we served as missionary evangelists in Mexico for almost seven years. And, and the problem was, is that we loved it. It was great. But, and, and I don't even want to, you know, ascribe this problem to Sandra. It was all about me. I was a gringo living in Mexico with a gringo mindset. So I was trying to live in Mexico the way I live here. Now, you're probably saying, but you're Hispanic Latino. But if you come from here and you go to Mexico, they still call you a gringo. Because you were born here, right? So I was like, gringo? I'm not a gringo. Yeah, you are. Where were you born? Well, United States. Well, you're a gringo, right? So that's how it was. And, and, and a perfect example of this is that when we, we decided to, to move, right, I bought all of my fancy appliances because I didn't want to go suffer, right? If I'm, God, if you're going to take me to Mexico, I'm going to live good, right? So I bought a nice big TV. I bought all these fancy appliances. I had this amazing little water cooler that gave you hot and cold water. Like you just hit a button, cold water came out. You hit another button, hot water came out. It was like crazy. So I'm going to go. So we showed up. And after a while, you know, I, I started getting my electric bill. And over there, they'll charge you. They, your bill comes every, every two months. And, and you know, in, in pesos, it was, it was averaging to be about like 150 a month, right? And when you're living with an, a United States mindset, you're thinking 150 a month, you know, that's $75 or two months, that's $75 a month. That's really good. That's cheap, right? How many would love to pay $75 a month for electricity, especially in the summer, right? So, so I was thinking good. But then I started talking to the natives, and they're paying like $20 to $30 every two months. And I was like, wait a minute. How are you paying $20 or $30? Because all their appliances are gas. They don't have electric appliances, Right? So the first thing I did is I went and unplugged my fancy water cooler, right? And I went to the Mercado and I bought this really little fancy wire thing that you put the jug of water and when you want water, you just flip it over, right? <laughs> right? If I wanted hot, I had to heat it up. If I wanted it cold, I had to put it in the refrigerator. But I, I use that to tell you that when you try to live in a different place but with an old mindset, you are always going to pay a higher price. 
It's going to cost you a little bit more. You're, you're, you're going to suffer a little. You know, and everybody else around you would be, 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 be you know, living okay, but you're just going to be different. Another thing that would happen to me is like, well, I would either go to like the meat market or, or, or the, the, the pharmacy, the carniceria, and I would do like every good American. I would get there and I would stand and wait my turn because that's just how you do it, right? And so I'm standing there waiting for the carnicero, the meat cutter, to ask me what I wanted. And then people just start coming up and shouting the orders. And I'm looking at them like, you don't see me here? I was here way before you. That's rude. Like, like that's really rude. And there I was waiting, waiting my turn. And they would just come and like, I want a half a, half a kilo de carne para asar. Yo creo tres pollos, you know. And, and I'm just like, like so angry and frustrated. Like, man, these people are rude. They have no etiquette, no decorum. Not realizing I was the one that was sticking out like a sore thumb. Because that's the culture. It's not that they're rude. That's, that's their culture. So if you're standing there like a fool, they think you don't know what you want. You're still trying to figure it out. So it didn't take me long to start figuring out that I had to start boxing out like on the basketball court waiting for a rebound. Uh-uh. I know what I want, right? And, but, but do you see, like, when you live in a place, you can get all confused and conflicted and, and created. And that's why Jesus, when he came preaching, he said, if you want to walk in my kingdom, then you're going to have to think like people in my kingdom think. You're going to have to think as a son or a citizen of, of the kingdom of God, right? So, so that kingdom or government language is interwoven throughout the fabric of all of Scripture from the book of Revelation, all the way into, or the book of Genesis, all the way to the book of Revelation, right? And we talked about a couple of those things. One was Lord, right? Lord is not a religious term. Lord is a legal term, right? Church is not a religious term. It was a legal term. And in fact, the whole context or the concept of being born again, like, let me ask you this. What did you do to become a citizen of your native country? Right? If you're a citizen of Mexico, what did you do? You, did you do anything? No, you just had to be born in it, right? The United States, you just have to be born in it. So when the rich young ruler goes to Jesus, say, what do I have to do to inherit? He's asking, how do I become a son of the, a citizen of the kingdom of God? And what does Jesus say? You got to be born. You got to be born into it. But thinking from a religious mindset, he couldn't understand. He asked Jesus, but how is it that me being a grown man go back into my mother's womb and, and come out again, right? He didn't get it. But what Jesus was doing was he was giving him the process of naturalization, how to go from being a foreigner now as a kingdom citizen of the kingdom of the government of God, right? So, when we don't understand this, we get caught up in the method. Like I said last week, the devil wants you to get caught up in the method. The method is salvation. Jesus didn't come to save you. He didn't just come to die on the cross. He came to establish his kingdom, but he came to ransom and rescue you through the process of salvation. Now, some of you are looking at me all cross-eyed. Don't worry. My theology is correct and it aligns with scripture. But didn't Jesus say to go and preach and make disciples? Yes, that was the method. That's what he wanted. Our, our primary goal and purpose was to establish the kingdom and the government of God wherever we stand. Right? So the process of naturalization, how are we born again? Through salvation, right? We're born again. So even when we use that language, it's governmental language, it's political language, it's not religious language. And so the rich young ruler, learned, you know, he, you thought he would have known that, but Jesus was saying the way to become a citizen of the kingdom of God is you have to be born again, right? You have to be born into it, but you have to think differently. So, so all of these, these teachings that we have been giving, we're trying to get you to, to transcend from a religious mindset into a, a kingdom mindset. So when we talk about kingdom identity, I, I, I see that our, our identity in the kingdom is triune. And, and I just love it, how, how God reveals himself with, within that. God is three in one, one in three, right? He, he is three uh, interwoven and connected, but yet separate. And so when we look at this, we too are triune beings, right? We are body, soul, and spirit. But also our identity in the kingdom is, first of all, we are kings and priests. 
That's what the Bible says. And we're going to be talking about that next week. Pray for me because that's really deep and I got a lot of studying to do this week. The next thing we talked about was, was citizens, right? How we are citizens of the kingdom. What do citizens do? Citizens administer and multiply. Like every citizen of every society or government, you have a familial responsibility, you have a social responsibility, and you also have a civic responsibility. In the kingdom of God is the same way. You have a familial responsibility a social responsibility, and you have a civic responsibility, right? You should have been here when I taught about this, so don't be looking at me like, I don't know what that means. Well, go back and look it up, right? And then last week, we talked about our sonship, right? That he established a, a kingdom of sons and not subjects or servants. So our identity in Christ is we are kings and priests, we are citizens of the kingdom, but we are sons, right? Sons. Now, there's this concept called original intent. Now, if you want to understand something's primal or primary purpose, or it, the intention of something, it's always best to look at its origin, right? Its origin. So when we look at the origin of man, like the beginning, if we really want to understand who we are and who God created us to be, then we have to go to the beginning. So when God created this beautiful earth, he finally made uh, Adam and Eve. He made the first man and the first woman. Now the Bible says that he placed them in the Garden of Eden, right? Does your Bible say the same thing, right? Okay, just making sure. I don't know what Bible you're reading, right? But he placed them in the Garden of Eden, right? That was the, this place of, of abundance, this place where there was no, 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 no need. They, they had everything that they could ever ask for. They were, they were completely immortal. In, in this place, remember I said it was God's intention for us to live on earth like we would live in heaven. Adam and Eve had no idea what it was to feel tired. They had no idea what it was to feel sick. Imagine for a moment, all of a sudden sin comes in the picture and Adam and Eve get their first cold and they're like freaking out because this green salty stuff's coming out of their nose like what is this right like I've never experienced this before right they, they didn't know that but sin came in the picture changed the dynamic right so they were placed in this place now it's interesting to note that the garden of Eden the word garden in in the original language now it, let me put this caveat in, in Middle Eastern culture, they think of divinity or gods in forms of picture. In fact, even their language, the Hebrew language, it's possible that each letter within a word actually forms a picture. Are you with me? So when we start talking about original meaning, oftentimes to get the original meaning, you just have to understand what, what picture each word contains. In fact, if you ask most of us who are, are from Western civilization, what is God? Oh, God is good, right? That's what we would say. But if you ask a Middle Eastern person or even a, a Jewish person, what is God? They'll say things like, God is air. God is water. God is bread. Because they think in terms of imagery, in pictures. In fact, what did Jesus say? He says, I am the bread of life. I'm the sustenance, right? So he was speaking, speaking to them and teaching to them in, in a way that was relevant to their cultural understanding. So when we look at that and, and you look at the word garden, it create, creates a picture of its meaning. So the word garden means a covering, right? When, when you're in alignment with God, you have a covering, it also means a sanctuary, which is a place of rescue and a place of hope and a place of peace, but it also means life, right? Life. So when you're connected to God, you're connected to the source of life. The word Eden means pleasure, delight, or abundance. Pleasure, delight, or abundance. So God put the first man, and remember, God is a God of pictures and patterns. He does things intentionally, and he put them within the Garden of Eden. So we can ascertain from original intent that it was always God's intention for man to live an abundant life here on the earth. But then we know what happened, right? Sin came into the picture, changed the dynamic. They were expelled from the, the land of abundance, of, of sanctuary, of rest, of hope, of peace, of life. And now they find themselves outside and disconnected 
from God. So if you want to know why Jesus came, right? If you want to know why Jesus came, well, you just got to look at what was it that Adam and Eve lost when they fell into sin, right? Just look, look at what they, what they lost. So, so we can see that God wanted us to live an abundant life, right? God wanted us to live. Now, when we talk about blessing, right, because we, abundant life is living within the, the blessing of God. Now, most, most believers today don't really understand what the blessing is. And, and most of us, when we talk about blessing, right away we talk, we think about, about, about wealth or, or financial prosperity or material possessions, right? But because we're, we're, we're kind of a materialistic society, while financial prosperity is a part of the blessing, the blessing of God over your life transcends material possessions. There's, there's a part of that, but it's, it's so much more to that. I love what Pastor Robert Moore writes in, in, the, in, in his book, The Blessed Life. He says that the blessing of God permeates every area of your life. Yes, it will, it will, it will, it will, it will bless your, your finances, but it'll bless your family, your relationships, your physical, emotional, and mental health. When you have the blessing of God in your life, it will impregnate and permeate every area of your life. Now, in order for us to understand the blessing, we have to learn, first know how we receive the blessing, we have to understand what the blessing is, but we also have to understand how the blessing operates. So, so let me just put this caveat. I am not teaching a doctrine or a gospel of prosperity. That's not what this is. I'm not going to ask for $1,000. Well, I might, right, at the end of the service. Eh? If you want prayer, give me a thousand. No, that's not what this is. That's not biblical, Okay. This is not a doctrine of prosperity. This is a doctrine or a gospel of identity. This is understanding who God has called and created us to be. So God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Sin came in. They were expelled. So when we want to know why did Jesus come, all we have to do is look at his words. Look what it says in Luke 19.10. Now, for me, this is his thesis statement for his ministry. Or if we're putting it in modern vernacular, this is the mission statement for his ministry. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't. Now, the Bible says that we cannot remove one jot or tittle from the word of God. Like, we can't make it. But a lot of people preach that it said Jesus came to save the lost. But that's not what the word says. Now, the NASB is one of the most uh, closely aligned to the original language. It's one of the versions that's closely aligned, but sometimes it gets complicated, so we often use the New Living Translation. But it was important for you to understand. In fact, some of even our modern translations say that Jesus came to save the lost. But it doesn't say that. It, came, it says he came to what? To seek and to save that which was lost. That's what it says. Like some of you are looking at me like, like I might have to run out of here when I'm done. So what did they lose? Did Adam and Eve lose a church, a religion, a salvation? No. They lost their identity. They lost their place. They lost their connection to the abundant life that they had. From the very beginning. In fact, look at what Jesus writes in, in, in John 10.10. 10. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came so that you would have life and have it. It's right there in his own words. This isn't about going to heaven. Right? That's what the church has made it. Like, oh, I can't wait to go to heaven. There's heaven. No, Jesus didn't come to just take you to heaven. He came so that you could have an abundant life here on the earth. But the religious context made, it, made you think that it was always all about going to heaven. Yes, one day there will be a rapture. One day we will go to heaven and we will be in the presence of God. Yes, I understand that. But the religious mindset has got you focused on the wrong thing when it was always meant. See, the, you know that the Bible says, by his stripes we are healed? Is that when you go to heaven? Why? Because there's no sickness in heaven. We need healing here. Right? 
It's about here. So the abundant life, oh, one day I'm going to go to heaven. One day I'm going to go to heaven. No, it's not about one day going to heaven. You know what? Jesus came to bring heaven to you here on the earth. That's why when he said, pray like this, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't say, let your will be done when we finally get to heaven one day. No. But the religious construct and the mindset that the enemy has used to, 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 to make the church impotent and powerless is we're waiting for the VIP trip to the casino. I mean, to, to heaven. I wanted to see if you're awake, right? Go to heaven, right? So the abundant life that Jesus came do you need abundance in heaven? No. No. Right? We need it here on the earth. Anybody need a little bit of abundance? Come on. Especially with these gas prices and these food prices going on, right? I need a little bit of abundance going on, Jesus. Let's activate right now. So we must understand who we are, and the Bible says that we are blessed. So let's answer the question, how do we receive the blessing? Number one. We receive it through Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, 1 and 3 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you will be cursed. And in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. So this is, this is the beginning of God's intervention when he begins to start building that co-op, that cooperation and that covenant with man. He comes down and he finds Abraham and he enters into this covenant and he says, I'm going to do something in your life, but I'm going to do something so powerful and so great that it's not just going to stay in you and with you. What I'm going to do in your life is something that is going to affect all of the families of the nation's of the earth. So unless you're from Mars, which you might be, right? You fall into that blessing. You are blessed because God declared that through Abraham, all of the blessing, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Say, I am blessed. Now, that word blessing in the Hebrew language means it causes you to prosper, it, 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 just, it just provokes you to, to prosper and, and to, to succeed. And once again, this, this transcends money or finances. Because how many of you know that you can be a little bit tight in the pocketbook and still be blessed? Right? You may not have all of the finances and wealth you want, but you are still blessed. You still walk in peace. You still walk in health. You, you still walk in, 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 in success, right? So it's not just about this, but this, this word that, that he tells Abraham is what he's essentially saying is that this blessing that you carry is going to cause you to prosper. That means that it doesn't matter what happens to you. It doesn't matter where they put you. It doesn't matter how they isolate you. It it doesn't matter how they try to put you down. You're going to always rise to the top. You're going to always be blessed. You're going to always prosper. You don't need to be in a special position or place to have the blessing and the prosperity of God. I remember I worked at a season for a church where I was not really liked by the pastor. And he did everything in his power to isolate me. He put me in youth ministry. What happened? The youth ministry blew up. So he said, mm, okay, that's not working. Let's put him in the children's ministry because pe no, people don't want a children's ministry. And here I was, a seasoned pastor of 20-something years, now being a children's pastor. Well, that's not my calling. I'm, I'm just here to serve the kingdom of God. So what did I do? We served in the children's ministry. What happened? The children's ministry went out. And then that didn't work. Then they put me in the Spanish ministry. And then that blew up, and they're like, that's not working. They couldn't, they couldn't find a place to put me, to isolate me. Why? Because when you have the blessing of God, it doesn't matter where they put you. You're always going to rise to the top. You see that in Joseph's life. Joseph was in Potiphar's house. He was in prison. And then in the palace, wherever Joseph was, the Bible says that everything he touched prospered. 
And that's why you need to know that because there's going to be some times in your life. There's going to be some times maybe at work. There's going to be some conflict. You get one of those managers that don't like you just because you look funny, right? And, and they're going to try to do this. But when you understand it doesn't matter where you put me, you can demote me, you can put me down, you can try to isolate me, but there's nothing that you can do that can stop the blessing of God in my life. You can talk about me. You can post about me. It doesn't matter. I'm not affected. Why? Because when I have the blessing of God, everything I put my hand to do is going to prosper. So we're blessed. The second way that we receive the blessing is through Jesus Christ. Can I take a time out and tie my shoe? I know some of you are like, he's going to trip. You're not even paying attention to the good preaching. Can I get somebody to tie my shoe for me? Alex? All right, you're like, oh, he's gonna. That's why I say we're not a community of Christians, we are a family. And we're very real here, so get used to it. So the second way is through Jesus. Ephesians 1.3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. There it is. You're blessed. It says, when you align and you unite yourself through Christ, you submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that some of the blessings are yours. Wait, is that what it says? It says all. It says every. Now, being the, the studious pastor that I am, I, I love digging into the original language, right? So I went into the Greek language because I wanted to make sure that I'm not teaching anything false. So I looked at what the word every means in the Greek. And I want you to write this down because this revelation is going to knock your sock off, even the one with the hole in the big toe. <laughs> All right? So when I looked it up in the Greek language, the word every means every. Wow. That's all I get? That's some deep revelation. The word every means every. That's what God is giving you through Abraham and through Jesus Christ. It says everything that you could ever, every, but pastor, it says spiritual. Yeah, because the blessing is a spiritual. It's, it, it's a mantle. We're going to get into it in a minute. But you have every blessing in your life when you unite yourself with Christ. Number three, through the adoption into sonship. Ephesians 1.5 says, and he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Romans 8.14 and 16 through 16, the apostle Paul writes, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received not, did not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the spirit you received that brought about your adoption to sonship and by him, which is Jesus, we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, let me tell you that today, after what I lived on Monday, this word adoption has so much more meaning. But I remember growing up in, in children's church and in, in, in Sunday school, and they would teach us that we were, we were adopted sons and daughters. And I'm going to be very transparent. Like, dude, I don't want to be adopted. Like, I want to be like, for real, for real. <laughs> like, and I remember when we lived in Mexico, there was a family that had 15 adopted children. They had four of their own, and, and they adopted 15. Yeah, a lot of kids. <laughs> and... And I remember asking Mikey, Mikey was the oldest, and I said, Mikey, like, do you guys ever fight? And then, like, in that fight, you tell them that they're not really, they're not, they're not, like, really, really sons and daughters or brothers. It goes every day, right? <laughs> right? And, and so that was my mindset. I was like, but God, I don't want to be the adopted. I want to be, like, the real. But it wasn't that I, I, I learned about the Hebrew law. See, when you were in the Hebrew law, and you had a son, and let's say that son didn't make his bed and didn't clean his room, right? You as a father had every right to disown him and take away his inheritance. And you didn't even need a reason. He could have just looked at you weird and be like, oh, that's it. <laughs> You're gone. Right? 
That was, that was the law. But if that same father had an adopted son, there was no legal precedent for him to ever disown an adopted son. That son could be rebellious. That son could be disobedient. That son, that, that son could have, have just, you know, been ugly and nasty. But there was no way that that father, he could take it away from the legitimate son. But there was, no, and, and believe, I believe adopted sons are legitimate, okay? Just like I said, Micah was not born from my flesh, but he was born from my heart. But so you get the picture of what I'm talking about, that that father could take away or disown the inheritance of his flesh-born son. But when they had an adopted son, there was nothing that they could ever do to rob him of his inheritance. And you know what that tells me? Is that because you and I, we are adopted into sonship, there isn't anything or anyone that could ever take away the blessing of God over your life. Even if you went to Cooter's last night. <laughs> Some of you are like, he is prophetic. Right? How does he just know? Like, uh, well, you put it on Instagram. Not Or estabas tomando el chilito anoche, right? What is But there's nothing that you could ever do or anyone could ever do to take away the blessing of God of your life. That's why it's so important for you to know who you are when the enemy wants to wreak havoc and mess with your mind and tell you you're not worthy, that you're not good enough, that you messed up last night again. But there's something powerful when you look at the devil in the face. Yeah, but I'm still a son. So that's how we receive the blessing. But let's talk about what the blessing is. The blessing is not just financial prosperity. It's so much more. And I'm going to give you Brian C. Snedel's Webster definition of Why was that funny? <laughs> of the blessing. The blessing of God is the supernatural grace and favor of God overlaid onto our ability that produces supernatural results or glory. I'm going to read it again. The supernatural grace and favor of God overlaid onto our ability to produce supernatural results or glory. That's what the blessing of God is. It's just, just something that you carry that just causes you to prosper. It just causes you to do well. It causes you to, to be blessed, right? And, and so the, the thing you've got to understand that the glory is not the blessing, but the fruit of the blessing. See, oftentimes we, 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 we get things confused because we think that the bonus is the blessing or we think that the new car or the new house is the blessing. That's not the blessing. That's the fruit of the blessing. You got the the car because you're blessed. You got the promotion because you're blessed. You, you, you got the, the, the raise because you are blessed. That's not the blessing. That's the fruit of the blessing. See, the blessing is not stuff. The blessing is not things. The blessing is a spiritual mantle that you carry when you understand that you are a kingdom citizen and a kingdom son of God. The blessing is something that you walk on that wherever you go, things just begin to happen. And the problem is that people around you they don't understand they'll think oh you're just lucky you tell them I ain't lucky I'm blessed right. well you're just in the right place at the right time no I'm blessed you're, you, things just seem to work out for you no they don't work out for me I'm just blessed there's nothing that you can do to explain it see it's not the thing it's a mantle that you carry and you walk around with that just causes you to be prospered and blessed And that's why the Bible says that the blessing of God is visible in your life because it does manifest things. People call it luck, but when you know, you know, right, that it's not luck. It's just the blessing of God. 
See, some people will say, Pastor, how do you do it in four years? You have a full church. I know people that have been seven, ten years, and they still have 20 people. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not that good. I'm not that good of a preacher. I'm not that good of a leader. They just come. The only thing I can chalk it up to is that I'm blessed. And when I walk in obedience to God, the mantle of blessing just activates wherever I go. I've seen it in the marketplace, in corporate America. I've seen it activate in, in my life. I remember, you know, walking into this, 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 you know, this business consulting firm that I had no experience in, right? I had experience as a children's pastor, a youth pastor, an assistant pastor, custodian of the church, the ba- main bathroom cleaner, the head bathroom cleaner, right? And all of a sudden, I'm sitting in a boardroom with people that have MBAs. I even had to look up what MBA meant. I was like, is that like an MBA? But I wasn't that clueless. But and there I was sitting at this boardroom, and I didn't even have a BBA. I had a more, never mind, I was gonna say a different kind of a degree I had. <laughs> Y'all know, right? See, your prayers are working, right? Because old Brian last year would have said it, but but not this one. Thank you, Ronnie, for praying for me or changing. <laughs> and here I was, sitting at this boardroom, looking around like who, sitting with, with all these people, millionaires, with MBAs, and all I could do was say is, I'm not that smart. I'm not that talented. And I'm not that lucky. Yeah. I'm just blessed. Right. See, when you understand who you are, You're just blessed. Now I'm going to close with this. How does the blessing operate in our life? So we go back to what Jesus says, right? He said, Paul says, Ephesians 1, 3, it says that Jesus Christ has given you every spiritual blessing, right? Every spiritual blessing. The thing is that you've got to know that it is your obedience that activates the blessing. You can have all of the blessings, all of those allocated resources and blessings with your name on it. But unless you walk into a, in, in obedience, those blessings never get activated. Remember we talked about how the laws of the kingdom are, 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 are really principles or keys to the kingdom see and our problem is that we always think about laws as limitations right we think it as laws that that limit us but in the kingdom of god jesus called the laws of the kingdom the keys of the kingdom what do king what do keys do keys grant you access so in order for you to access the blessings of the kingdom you've got to use the key so imagine for for a moment that this is Clearly hypothetical, but pastor, you said, no, this is clearly hypothetical. If I give you a brand new house with a title deed and I give it to you, but I never give you the keys, what good is it? What good is it, right? If I never give you the keys to access, then it doesn't do you any good, right? So you can, you can own it, it can be yours, but until you get the key that grants you access and you use the key to unlock and unleash, right? And that's what the, that's, that's, that's what the principles and the keys of the kingdom do. And the one thing that activates that blessing in your life is your obedience, right? Look at what Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2 says. We're going to read it. It says, if you kind of obey the Lord your God and carefully follow some of the commandments like the one you like. Right? That's what it says. I thought, wait. It says, if you carefully follow the commandments that you agree with and benefit you then the Lord God will sit you high above all the nations on the earth and all these blessings will come upon you no what does that say it says if you fully obey all there's that word again you know what all means in Hebrew 
Man, you guys are smart like me. Y'all should be up here preaching. But a lot of times, we want to use the kingdom of God like when we used to go to Luby's. Oh, I miss Luby's. Wait, moment of silence. Okay. See, because when you go to Luby's, you get to pick and choose, right? And some of us, we don't understand that our obedience activates the blessing. So we take the kingdom of God like Luby's, like, okay, God, I'll take a little bit of hope, a little bit of faith, a little bit of joy. Fasting, oh, no, not that one. Prayer, oh, definitely not that one. Tithing, oh, no, stay away from that whole section. Right? <laughs> Skip the, I'm going to go around like that, that whole thing, right? But the Bible makes it very clear that if you fully, that means if you do what God says, how he says it, and when he says it, right? Then the blessings of God will overtake you. See, remember I said how the, the Hebrew language is, is a language of imagery and picture. So when you read that in its original language, original context, means that when you fully obey God, you don't have to go looking for blessings. The blessings go looking for you. It finds you like a heat-seeking missile that you're not even expecting. And all of a sudden, you're blindsided. And boom, there comes a promotion. Boom, there comes a raise. Boom, there comes your son or daughter being restored. Boom, there comes your marriage. You, you don't even know it. But the Bible says that when you fully walk in the way and the will of the Lord, obeying all of his commandments, not just the one you like. Some people look at the word of God like lawyers looking for loopholes. Just because they don't agree with some things or they have struggles in, in, in certain areas. But it's very clear if you fully obey all, right, the blessings of the Lord. And the picture is like a linebacker running you down and tackling you. Before you know it, you get blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing and then people start at first they're cool with it right because like, oh, that's good you're lucky and then blessing and then they're kind of not like you anymore right but it's okay you can't help it because when you activate the blessing of God with your obedience there is nothing, no one in heaven or in hell or on the earth can ever stop what God wants to do in your life. And I'm not preaching this because, because it, it benefits me. Understand my heart. I'm not preaching this because I want your money, even though I kind of do. Transparency moment, right? Why? Because I know y'all like to come in here when there's air condition, right? And I can't tell stream energy, hey, just pray about it. Right? That'd be really cool if I could. Hey, I'm praying for you. Just take that as payment. No. They like money, like real money. Right? But it's not about that. What I, my heart is for you to walk every day in the fullness of the blessing of God. We have people in our church that could testify that from the moment that they began to walk in, 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 in accordance with God's will, God's word, and God's way, everything began to shift. So when Adam and Eve sinned, before sin came into the picture, they lived in harmony within themselves. They lived with harmony within nature. And they lived in harmony with God and they lived in harmony with the animal kingdom. But sin came in and what happened? It disrupted everything. That same lion that they used to pet now looks at them like lunch. <laughs> oh, look at this beautiful, right? It changed. They never knew what it was like to argue as husband and wife. I know y'all don't argue, but Sarah and I, we have our lucha libre moments. And I always say, I'm el santo, right? You already know. 
They never knew that, but all of a sudden, the dude ate the apple, and I could just imagine, well, you gave me the apple. I know it's not an apple, okay, but just for imagery, right? But that's your job. You're supposed to make something for me to eat, and right? It disrupted everything. Harmony within the relationship, harmony with nature, harmony with animal kingdom, and harmony with God. But when you submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and the blessing of God activates through your obedience, God begins to take all those things that are out of order, and He begins to bring alignment. Now, don't think that everything's going to be perfect. Your bozo's still a bozo. And he'll be a bozo today and probably be a bozo tomorrow, right? You picked him. Your mama tried to tell you not to, but you didn't listen, right? Uh, Getting some testimonials over here, right? <laughs> or, or tristemonios, right? <laughs> right? It doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. But you begin to walk in a level of harmony and peace and joy that you've never experienced before. That's the blessing of God. Will you stand? Lord, we just come before you today and we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your patience. God, and I pray that you would help us to walk in obedience. Lord God, I pray that you would align our heart and our head to your will, to your word. So that the blessing, your blessing, that all those things that are ours, that, that mantle that we, we carry where that causes us and provokes us to prosper would activate in our life in all of the areas that sin came to bring disruption between marriages between families sons and daughters siblings health finances God and I pray that when that blessing activates it would begin to bring unity and harmony once again and we just ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Thank you for joining us, and a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.